0: ready i want to echo what jason said earlier about just thanking you guys for being here this morning i was really dreading yesterday uh speaking to a camera i don't do cameras well i don't like that that whole engagement so i'm tickled to death (laughs) to have live bodies in front of me this morning so thank you guys for being here with us and join me in prayer we'll get started in this message god believe god's given me father thank you so much for this day thank you for your goodness for your love for us Uh, Father, for your promises that hold true, even in the middle of a snowpocalypse, that you're doing what you're doing, taking care of your kids, Father, seeing us through, seeing for our needs. God, I thank you for this family here. And God, I pray now that you just move upon us, God. You move in our hearts, God. You move in our lives. You reveal yourself in a new way to us this morning, Jesus, and make yourself known. God, we're here for you. We're here to praise you, to worship you for everything that you are for loving us in spite of everything that we are. I love you, Jesus. I thank you. In Christ's name I pray, amen. <clears throat> I've been asked a lot of times, as I'm sure most of you have, if you could go back and change one thing in your life, what would it be? Hopefully most of y'all did not act like I did when I was in my younger days, so it's hard for me to pick one thing because there are so many things I would like to go back and change. But if there is one thing, it would be this. I remember growing up, I had a lot of people... In my life, that would come to me and give me advice and give me examples of how to approach life and the things that were going to come with it, from advice on girls when I was in high school and in the dating scene and doing all those things, how I should interact and, and respect my parents when I was still at home and, and what that relationship looked like. I got a lot of advice on how to play ball, and we always know there's coaches everywhere, everybody is a coach. So I got a lot of advice on how to play ball back in those days. Exactly how to hold my hands, the elbow thing, all that jazz. Examples on how to best manage my money, if I ever had money to manage. What to pursue in college. That transition, what that looks like from high school to college. That's a a hard time for somebody growing up, making that transition and trying to figure out life when you're 18 years old. And I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. You don't have to have it figured out when you're 18 years old. If you don't have it figured out when you're 18 years old, it's going to be okay. I'm 44 and there's still days that I wonder what I'm doing. (laughs) Marriage, a lot of advice on marriage. What that's supposed to look like, how I'm supposed to treat my wife and and my kids when I got to that point. What to look out for just in life, the struggles and and temptations that we know are going to come. And I got a lot of advice on my walk with the Lord what that should look like, what that relationship, what that dynamic should be. Many, many witnesses and examples of life and how to do it. You know, I believe with everything I am that that God puts people in our lives to affirm uh, things that we're going through, to affirm things that are surrounding us. And and while most of these people were, I believe, of God, some weren't, I wish if I could have changed one thing, I would go back and listen to them. I did just like you. (laughs) When they were giving me this advice, I'd smile. I nod my head, oh, yeah, thank you for that. And then as soon as they left, hard head Casey would go back to doing exactly what Casey wanted to do, forging the path that he thought it should look like, not taking to heart what a blessing these examples and this advice really were. You see, these folks weren't trying to tell me what to do, and I don't know what it is about us as humans. We think somebody's trying to tell us what to do. We put the dukes up, we get all ruffled up, and we, get, we just shut it down. They weren't trying to tell me what to do. They were simply saying, hey, Casey, this is where we messed up. This is what we did wrong. This is the mistakes that we have made, and we don't want to see you going down the same path that we went down. We don't want to see you make the mistakes that we made. We don't want to see you struggle the same we did, because the fact is you don't have to. You don't have to struggle the way we did, and I wish if I could go back and change one thing in my life, because indeed my life has been met with a lot of things that I didn't handle right, I could go back and I could listen and I could put those things into practice. Guys, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12, but before we get there, I want to give you a little background of what's going on here. Hebrews chapter 11, we know, is the the faith chapter. It's all about faith in God and and his ultimate plan for humanity and and the lives of those that he has has chosen. Starting in verse 1, we read the biblical definition of what faith is. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the conviction of things not seen. Then in verse two, it says, by this faith, by this faith, these men of old gained acceptance. Faith didn't get them approval by the world or faith didn't get them approval by their peers, but faith got them approval by God, which is the most important thing. Notice it wasn't their works, it wasn't their accomplishments, it wasn't their successes, it wasn't any of those kind of things that earned them this, this level of acceptance by God, it was simply their faith. And through this faith, these men and these women, they just did life. They did life. Not perfectly. Never perfectly. And the more I read about these people in the Bible and, and learn about them, I see that they messed up way more than they got it right. But yet, even in those times, this faith that they had in God, it didn't push them away from God, it drew them closer to him. Chapter 11 goes into specific examples, and we all know these stories. We've heard about them since we were this tall. It talks about Abel first, and Abel in Genesis chapter 3, how he, he sacrificed the way God said to do it without question. Now, you can't tell me Abel understood all the whys of God at this time, but he had faith that God's way was the best way, and he simply did it the way God said to do it, and it said he obtained a testimony that he was indeed righteous, Enoch in Genesis 4 and 5, because of his faith, he didn't die. And this is how I want to go right here. Just be raised up. How cool would that be? I've always told everybody my, my retirement plan is a 401R. Rapture. Come on. Because there are not gonna be a whole lot of 401K sometimes. But Enoch, Genesis 4 and 5, because of his faith, he didn't die, he was raised up. His actions were made possible by his faith. Abraham, we know these stories, told to leave his home. Wasn't told where he was going. He was told to pack his stuff and to go. And his faith and the assurance of something bigger, something better, led to his obedience in God. We knew later that he was asked to sacrifice to offer up his son Isaac. And I can't even begin to fathom the things that were going through his mind at this time. But see, Abraham knew that God had promised him that all the descendants of the earth would come from his seed. Now, how was that going to happen if he was just to sacrifice his son? There's got to be something else brewing, something else going on behind the scenes. And Abraham had faith that God was going to work it out. He didn't know how, but he was going to work it out. Something bigger was going to happen. So, what did Abraham do? He took him up in the mountain, he drew the knife, he was faithful. And then God provided the way out, right? We know the ram, and we know the story. We know how all this stuff works. Story after story, men and women, Isaac, Moses, and these are just the ones Hebrews chapter 11 lists: Rahab, Esther, Gideon, Samson, David, Samuel, Nathan, Daniel. This is just the Old Testament, folks. All these men and women conquering kingdoms, performing these amazing acts of righteousness, shutting the mouths of lions, escaping death, just doing life through the faith that God gave them. Outlandish stories, crazy stories, but yet these folks had yet to receive the promises that we have now. They didn't know the completed story. They didn't know Christ's finishes, but they knew something bigger was happening. They knew something was brewing behind the scenes. I believe chapter 11 was wrote in Hebrews so that we could have chapter 12, that these witnesses could show us, those that came after them, to give us advice just the way these people did in my life so many years ago and still do today, that there's a better way to do life and there's a better way to handle the things that, guys, we're going to most definitely face. So stand with me as we read Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1. It says, therefore, therefore, because of what's happened before this, because of all the faith that we just read about in chapter 11, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance in the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance this race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, he despised the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Be seated, please. Each one of us in every one of us have a predetermined plan, a predetermined path of life. And contrary to what a lot of preachers preach these days, it ain't going to be puppies and and sunshine. It's not going to be prosperity and happiness. It's not going to be these things that the American gospel would have us to believe. Because we know that John chapter 16 says that in this world we will have troubles. We are guaranteed that there's going to be hard times. There's going to be challenges in our lives. Everybody can shake their head and nod and agree with these things. There are going to be times of pain. Yeah. There's going to be times when we don't have a clue why things are happening the way they are. There's going to be situations that are completely out of our control, where things don't work out like we want them to work out. There will be times of loss. There will be times when we fall flat on our face. There will be times of heartache. There will be times where our enemies rise up against us and it appears with everything that we're seeing and hearing in our fleshly eyes and ears that there is absolutely no way out. And you see, and in those times we find ourselves in, we can do like I used to do. And, and unfortunately, I'll admit that I still do a lot of the times. Rely on our own strength. Rely on our own understanding. Rely on our own abilities to, to fight these things that come against us finding ourselves even more trouble than we were when we first began. Or we can take these things that we know about in Scripture, these truths that we hear about day in and day out, that we read about, these incredible stories of faith, and let these examples teach us something to draw us closer to our Lord. You see, these men and women who stood tall in this face of opposition so many years ago, they didn't have some kind of special something that we don't have. They didn't have any kind of a special God or more God than is available to us today. Their struggles weren't easier than ours are. And this may sound too simple to even understand, but I believe they simply simply chose to rely on this faith given to them by their Lord. They made a choice. To rely on this faith given to them by their Lord, and to do life was that with that this faith as an anchor for their souls. Just like Hebrews six nineteen says, it says this hope, this faith given us to us by God, we have as an anchor, something that doesn't move. It's not swayed. It's not uh, affected by circumstances or places we find ourselves in. It is solid, a hope both sure and steadfast, and it enters, which enters within the veil. You see, I came across these quotes the other day and I think they are so fitting for the times we find ourselves living in now. At least they were for me. And they stung me down deep to my core because faith is something that I struggle with. It really is. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, I think it's something we all struggle with from time to time. You see, faith is not a word. Faith is something you do. And faith is something you do because of what Christ has done for you. They always say hindsight's 20-20, right? we look back, our faith is strong, but it's looking forward where it gets jacked up. Faith is something we all struggle with. Listen to what David Platt wrote. My biggest fear, and we know who David Platt is, big preacher, writes lots of books, does incredible things. My biggest fear even now is I will I will hear Jesus' words and I will walk away, content to settle for less, content to settle for less than radical obedience to him. My biggest fear is that I will hear Jesus speaking these truths into my ears and to my soul, and I will walk away content to settle for less than radical obedience to him. And then this one, God beckons storm clouds and they come. Hear these words. He beckons storm clouds and they come. He tells the wind to blow and he tells the rain to fall and they obey immediately. He speaks to the mountains, you go there. He says to the seas, you stop here and they do it. Everything in all creation responds in obedience to the creator until we get to you and me. And we have the audacity to look God in the face and say no. To say no. You see, guys, I believe that there's coming a time real soon in fact, some of you may be walking in it right now, where these things we talk about, these things we pray about, the teachings that we, that we get from, from, from our leaders and from our scriptures, the examples that we have of those that come before us, these messages that we hear on Wednesdays and Sundays. All these church words that we like to throw around to make us feel all warm and happy inside like faith and and trust and grace and mercy and and promises and and all these things that we talk about. I believe there's coming a time real soon, in fact, if it's not going through it right now, that we're going to start putting these things into practice. Here in America, guys, we have had it easy. Do you know that the Christians in China pray for us to be persecuted as they are? I don't know about you, but that gives me a little bit of chill because we know what's happening to Christians outside of America. They pray for us to be persecuted as they are. You see, here, we don't face much of that. We don't face much persecution. We don't need a whole lot. We got it, most of it. We got pretty much everything we need at our disposal, and because of that, I believe us fully relying on what faith in Christ looks like has turned into a two-day week affair. We get our dose on Wednesdays. We get our dose on Sundays. And then we pretty much live however we want to the rest of the week. And I hate to sit here in front of you and say this, but I'm guilty as all. More guilty than most. I get comfortable in my two-day-a-week Jesus. And just because I, got a, I have a title as pastor does not make me immune from the things of life. But we have been, we have been. what is the word I'm looking for? Programs. That that's what we need. Check it off the list a couple of days a week and then do life. And when it slaps us in the face, we don't know what to do. We get our dose. And by the way culture is shaping us, the way the lies of the enemy are becoming more and more blatant, the way the pull of the world is trying to draw us closer to that and away from what we know to be our source, I believe it's time that we put our actions where our mouths are to follow Christ. Christ. To follow Jesus, to hear him and to understand what he is asking of us, to put these things of the world aside and to look at these examples that he has left us. He didn't leave us these things so he could lord over us with a hammer. Every time we screwed up, he could pop us in the head. He left us these things just as these men and women of old came to me to tell me these things to tell us there's a better way. I'm showing you how to do this. I'm giving you every tool that you need to be successful in life because you know what? You're going to need it. I didn't die for you to have an easy life. I died for you to have a life in me, to have faith in what I'm doing. He didn't leave us these things as a way just to show his his authority, but to prove to us that his way is the only way. And I believe that we as children of God, chosen and redeemed, seen as worthy. Given the Holy Spirit to God and to teach us in the things of righteousness, to convict us of our sins, I believe we've been called to live in this radical obedience, this, this radical abandonment to the things of the earth. And I'm not saying turn your TVs off or your smartphones or none of that kind of stuff, but understand where those things lie in the, in the grand scheme of things. Christ as our Lord, Christ as our head. Faith in Him, what He has done for us, what He continues to do for us, and, and and be able to trust Him with every aspect of our life. Just as a song, we just think, I stand, my soul completely surrendered to You. Not to just be willing to give Him the little bit, the bits and pieces that we don't really care about, but to give Him everything: our families, our kids, our finances. Our health, our worries, our fears, our anxieties. To give him all these things that we know we can't control anyway. But to finally be that one where he says, follow me. And we drop everything and we say, yes, Lord, where are we going? To be who he has called us to be. Following with the examples that he has called us to follow in. He says, "Let let us run this race before us. And I love what Paul writes to Timothy at the end of his times. and He says, I have fought a good fight. This is my word. This is what I want to be like. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. He says, in the future there is laid up for me this crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to also those who loved his appearing. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. As I said earlier, if there's one thing I could go back and change, it would be that, to listen to these people, to hear these words of wisdom, to understand them as the blessing that they are, to help steer me in the right direction, to help me overcome some of the stuff that I was going to face. I wish I could go back and change that one thing. But what I love about Jesus and the good father that he is is that we get another chance. You see, this faith that we talk about can start right here. Can you imagine an army that would rise up, dry bones that would come to life if we live life the way these people did? Not always getting it right. We're not going to do that. But letting these struggles and letting these encounters that we find draw us closer to our God instead of push us away from him. To live in the faith that he has given us. Because there is no doubt. There is no doubt that this stuff is coming. There's no doubt what we're going to face. But yet, through our good Father, he's given us the stuff we need right here. Therefore, since we have this great cloud of witnesses around us, let us lay aside these encumbrances, these things, this stuff, and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance this race that is set before us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the examples, for the advice, for the tools that you have given us through Jesus, God, that makes life doable. Father, we all know we have struggles. We all know we have days where it's not working out the way we want to. But, Father, just knowing that you are sure and steadfast and our hope is found in you, that you are that anchor for our soul that we so desperately need, God, every moment of every day, help us to live in that faith that you have given us, Jesus. Your word tells us in Romans that you give it to us in measures. And God, I believe that that measure is exactly what we need at that time in our life to do the things that you have called us to do. Father, help us to be obedient, not to get more, to earn more, to receive more, Father, but because of what you have already given us through your son, Jesus, to live out of a grateful heart for the transformation that you have made in us. Father, to make us aware that you're doing what you're doing. Father, just help us to be that person that you've called us to be. I love you, Jesus. I thank you for this family, and I thank you for your movement of your spirit in this place. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen.